Hi, it's Philippa here from Joint Smokers Barbecue. You're listening to Barbecue Base. Welcome to Barbecue Base, the podcast for those that love a little low and slow in their lives. And here in New Zealand, as we approach the winter months, the nights are drawing in and the days are shorter, but there's still time to fire up the pits and get you a little late season barbecue action. And unlike always, today I'm not joined by my trusty co-host. If he were here, I may tell you that he's a man who has such a love of barbecue that they've had to turn him away from the newly opened Moo Moo Smokehouse every day this week as he keeps eating, then offering to cook all their ribs and brisket. But I can't, as he's not here. He's on a work conference and we couldn't make timings work this week. We just couldn't do it. So I am flying solo in the studio, but I'm still going to bring you a heap of barbecue goodness with some awesome chat. So... Thanks, as always, uh, before we get going, uh, to our friends at Jack Daniels uh, for the equipment partnership. Thank you, guys. Could not do this show without you, quite obviously. We wouldn't have any equipment to record on. So, as I said, um, we've still got a great show for you, and the first of the pieces that we recorded at the recent Smoke on the Coast uh, competition a few weeks back, um, and this one, this one's a real treat. It is with the enigmatic Troy Bilbra owner of Bacon Brothers in Christchurch. Uh, and if you haven't been along there for a um, burger, I have been very reliably told it is excellent and I need to get there soon. He's also owner of Shaka Brothers. Uh, it, I mean, you know, what do you get the man who has uh, one of the best burger joints in a city? You get him another burger joint. Um, and he's just open, about to open a microbrewery called Beers. So that is super exciting. Um, but we'll get to Troy later. A uh, few things to round up for you guys. So obviously we had Steak Wars, very exciting. Um, first competition promoted by Jared Morgan. Um, apparently it was a great um, event, really well done. It was down in Pocono, which is kind of just south of uh, Auckland here. SCA competition with steak and ancillaries. So well done, Mr. Sean Branson, also from uh, known from Black Label Barbecue. First place steak, um, golden ticket, but actually Sean already had his golden ticket. So that golden ticket got passed down to none other but the captain himself, Brian Cook from the Cook Cartel, who uh, by all accounts outdid his usual performance, outdid himself, uh, picked up second. So the golden ticket drops down to him. They had two uh, ancillary um, ancillaries there. So one was Asian, first place, of course, Mr. SCA, Mr. Michael Cook. I'm not sure if anyone uh, can catch that guy on ancillaries and to be honest on steaks as well. He is a machine. Um, and then <laughs> what I thought was a pretty interesting one, and I said before, I'm glad I'm not judging this one, uh, kids party food. So get ready for lots of fairy bread people. Um, but that was taken out by 
Ash Matushka, um, who cooks normally with the Backyard Banditos. So well done, Ash. Um, good to see a new name up there. And special mention to Cam Staples from Joint Smokers, who put together an awesome-looking dish. I think he came second in Kids Party Food. Little Weber barbecue cupcakes, which looked awesome as well. So well done, mate. And finally, um, at that event, hey, another Kids Queue. I love the fact that the Kids Queues are getting so many um, events. I, I just think it's awesome to see the kids cook. Um, this time they had to cook chicken lollipops. All the all the lollipops were supplied to them, so they didn't have to do all that tricky um, trimming of the chicken, which was cool. So thanks to uh, the the sponsors who supplied that. I mean, some poor, some poor bugger had to sit there and uh, lollipop all those chickens. So well done. Um, but well done to Aidan Manson, who picked up first place in the kids' queue. So good job. Um, there, little guy, and I hope that we'll see you come back for more kids' competitions and then hopefully into the circuit when you're old enough. So, um, but well done, great event, um, and we're looking forward to the next set of events. Uh, now, if you're in the Napier region, um, when is that? That is on the 22nd of May. You need to get down to the West Shore Inn and check out the uh, Jack Daniels open um that is going to be a great time i am gutted i've got massive fomo that i'm not going to be there um just could not make that weekend work unfortunately for uh, with other commitments but it is a great event that is put on i believe there's a beer festival on at the same time there's vendors you'll see all the comp guys so get down and have a look at that at the west shore inn um and look the next available competition if you're interested in um Getting in there and competing is going to be the Titai Tukaro Low and Slow in Pai here, Northland. Super exciting that we get to go up to uh, Northland. I love it up there. I used to live up in Northland and it's a, just a beautiful part of the world. And being run by one of the most beautiful people in all of barbecue, Mr. Ken Van Mackelberg, um, along with Jamie Irwin and Greg Hart. So you know it's going to be run really well. It's at the Pai here Top 10 um, holiday parks so the facilities are going to be just like smoke on the coast to be honest and um, it'll be a real fun family atmosphere there is a big uh, hoot nanny kind of event planned for the Saturday night which is going to be super fun as well uh, and lots of food vendors if you want to go as a um, spectator and just sort of roam around have a look I believe there's um, already I, I think fat boy barbecue is confirmed and Ken's got some more lining up and um, some you know stalls to look at all that kind of stuff and of course competition now if you are interested in entering or I guess vending, having a stall, etc. It's uh, any of the, any of those. You need to email them, and the email is low and slow at gmail.com. And if you search on Facebook for Tokoro low and slow, they have a Facebook page. And if you don't know the spelling, it's T A I T O K E R A U L O W A N D S O. S, sorry, S-L-O-W, low and slow. I don't think I needed to spell that bit out for you, at gmail.com. So get your entries in. That is going to be a, a, an epic comp. I believe it's capped at 30 teams. I could be wrong on that, but I believe it's capped. So make sure you get your entry in, register your interest with them, and they'll send you the details. It is going to be an awesome one, and you can camp on site. You can do all that good stuff. So um, accommodation's easy, and if you do want accommodation somewhere else, I mean, Pai here is a, a tourist town, isn't it? So it's got um, heaps of options for you out there. And it is going to be an epic, epic comp. Now, we have a competition for you as well. 
we have two tickets up for grabs to the upcoming New Zealand Hot Sauce Festival, 29th of May. So what is that? It's about two weeks um, at Sweatshop in Auckland, which is a great little pub, uh, actually, and it will be mental on that day. Uh, so that's courtesy of our good friend Clint Meyer at Fire Dragon Chilies. Thank you very much, Clint, for supplying those. Um, and we're going to make it super easy for you to win these. Um, so let's just, we are going to put up on our Facebook page tonight, we are going to put up a post uh, for you to win. And all you have to do is like the post, share the post and tag a mate. Uh, and make sure you've liked our page. Um, so let's make sure you've done that. And maybe, how oh, should we say, uh, let's say um, you have to like Fire Dragon's page as well. Let's do it for both of us. So do that. We have two tickets, free tickets, up for grabs. We will draw it next week. And we, uh, obviously, Clint supports us with the Fire Dragon Chili's Dragon Fury for 10 burning questions. And let's say there's a few other things that we are just circulating the ideas on with Clint. So just keep an eye out on that space. Uh, there's a few things in motion, and we're pretty excited, although I might be quite scared as well. So we'll keep you informed as we go through, all right? Um, so... I think I'm totally going to jump in on Noel's thing here. And whilst there's no just the tip this week, I think we can award a cook of the week. And this week I am going to, well, this feels quite strange being able to award it. I think Noel's going to be quite jealous. Um, I am awarding it to Felina Marie Key. And she put up a bit of a feast, actually, that was cooked all on a Weber GA. So it was a... Um, Reverse seared Flintstone, uh, looked like with a bit of blackout, which looked like an awesome, uh, perfect medium rare. Um, and then along with a seafood Mornay mac and cheese. I mean, if if that is not a get in my belly kind of dish, I really don't know what it is. Um, and looks like that she's then, so she's had the steak and then she's also made it into a bit of a sort of a burger. So, Felina, that looked amazing. Um, well done. You are this week's Cook of the Week. So, you know, take, take that to the bank, I'll tell you that. Right. Now, after all of that, I think it's past time that we got over to our chat with Troy. So, as I said, we recorded this one at Smoke on the Coast on the Friday evening. So, there may be a little competition noise, i.e. it was Friday night. A couple of people were getting loose in the kitchen behind me. You know, one past guest Derek Paul may have or may not can't confirm or deny slammed a whole uh, pure south uh, ribeye into the window behind us you know as might have happened but I can confirm that so if there's a little bit of noise please um, bear with us and funny story uh, we actually got the power cut off um, just as we we're about to do our turn burning questions with Troy but um, being the good sort he is he's agreed to come back and join us later in the show um, to finish that off so we're kind of We'll do the. We'll listen to uh, our chat with him there, and then he'll be he'll be in studio, and we'll do some. Uh, we'll do finish off the ten burning questions, and we actually get to have a little extra chat with him because, you know, as some of you may or may not know, he won the Super Saturday Steak Round, which I judge. So we'll have a little bit of a chat about that, uh, and talk about how Seer Revolution went at that competition because I know you're all wondering how I did, but um, you know, until we get there. Let's go chat with Troy. 
All right, so we are back at, uh, we're still at Smoke on the Coast. Um, from those of you who know, this is one of the premier events of our calendar. And as such, it is um, always good that it attracts people from both the North and the South Island. People travel up for this event, it was seen. And so it was with our guest for this week, Mr. Troy Bilbra, who uh, is usually one of the South Island uh, cooks. And he is a little bit of South Island royalty, I think, in the food scene. So he is from Bacon Brothers Burgers and, you know, uh, soon to be open beers, which, you know, does what it says on the tin and also the head pitmaster for Shaka. So welcome, Troy, to the show. I'm very excited about this one. How are you doing? Oh, thanks. You know, you're too kind. I'm not really uh, royalty. I'm more um, sort of the uh, grassroots. Um, I'm still uh, faking it till I make it. Uh, with with the uh, with the, both the restaurants, the burgers and the pit mastering, so I'm still figuring out what I'm doing. But um, yeah, it's been an awesome journey. I think I think we're all faking it till we make it. Really, I don't think there's really uh, anyone who could. Maybe Brendan Brendan Reismer could say he's not faking it till he makes it, and, and most of the rest of us are definitely faking it. So, look, we know where you are now, but you know, have you always cooked? Has this always been a passion or is this something you found later in life? How did you get to be, I guess, you know, first of all, how did you get into the burger business and, and get into that? Yeah, so it was a, a while back. Uh, I remember cooking as a kid. Um, I was helping my parents cook when I was like two years old, three years old. And then uh, always was one of those things. I loved just barbecuing with my family, just, just doing like lamb chops and classic Kiwi barbecue. And as kids, my brothers and I were really good swimmers and my parents would um, take us to swim training and, and my brothers and I would win New Zealand medals and we were up there um, competing all around New Zealand, but swimming wasn't really my passion. So I um, used to sneak out of swimming training every uh, Thursday night and I'd sneak into a job where I worked at a fish and chip and burger shop at age uh, 14 and I'd work for $4 cash per hour for a uh, lovely Vietnamese uh, boss, and it was there I learned how to make those uh, those burgers, uh, fish and chips, all that sort of kiwi food. So at age 14, I was working for $4 cash an hour, and my Vietnamese boss was super hard. He came from sort of the Vietnamese war era, and if I stood still for any longer than a second, he would grab the, the burger press and, and burn my arm. <laughs> <laughs> and he would, <laughs> he would say ABC, and, I, and I'd be like, what do you mean ABC? He'd be like, always be cleaning. And I'd be like, okay, sweet. So always always hustling, always cleaning stuff, um, flipping burgers. He taught me how to, how to work hard. So that sort of stuck with me. Um, that uh, Learning that I learned from um, yeah, making those burgers for $4 now sort of taught me that Kiwis love those simple um, foods like your fish and chip on your Friday and your burgers and that sort of stuff. So I... Um, I didn't stay at that fish and chip shop forever, but I, I went off to uni. Um, I was going to work in corporate finance, so I ended up doing a whole lot of commerce and got a job in Auckland. And I was working in uh, a, a real, real awesome job. But my boss sat me down after and he said, hey, you don't really like what you're doing, do you? And I was like, no, I don't really, it's not really my passion. He was like, you need to, you're still young, go and, go and find what you want. So I um, resigned from my job in corporate finance and I moved back to Christchurch and I had a goal of becoming a pilot. So I actually uh, started doing my pilot's license. And the one thing everyone knows about flying is it's super expensive. It's like 100K. So I got into flying, spent my money. Within like a month, I was out of cash and I was like, I need to finish this flying. What can I do that people will pay uh, money for? How can I pay for this? And 
Um, a friend of mine um, had this bacon brand. They wanted their bacon sold at a farmer's market. So I went down to the farmer's market and was selling their bacon. And to start off with, it wasn't doing too well. So I, I told my boss, I said, hey, how about we, instead of selling the raw bacon, let's make burgers, let's do some smash burgers with bacon. And my boss laughed at me. He's like, Troy, who's, who's going to buy a bacon burger? That's a dumb idea. And I was like, I'll, I'll buy a bacon burger if I'm going to buy it. There's going to be another person that will buy a bacon burger. How about I'll, I'll buy your bacon off you and I'll, I'll start my own little company. That way you, you sell your bacon and I'll make, uh, make the burgers. That way you get your money either way. And if I make money, um, that's, that's good for me. So I um, bought all the bacon from them. First day I rocked up and I didn't know what to call myself. So I had the bacon and I had a helper who was my brother. So I was like, bacon brothers, we'll call it bacon brothers. And the first day we just had this massive line and we, we couldn't keep up. We sold out. Came back the next weekend, sold out again. Next weekend, bought more stock, sold out again. And it just went from there. Um, the, f- the first day we, we rocked up and we sold out, we thought we'd, we'd made it, we thought we were awesome. And then we went back and did the accounts and we worked out we'd lost like 100 bucks. Because <laughs> we, um, we were selling the burgers at five bucks each. We lost, oh yeah, five bucks, let's do a deal. And then uh, after, so we worked out what we had to sell to break even. We sold them at seven bucks and then... We're like, actually, we want to get paid, so we sold them at nine bucks, and then we could pay ourselves for our time, and it went from there. We sort of worked out. We started making our own barbecue sauce, making our own aioli, um, mincing our own patties, doing that sort of stuff, working out how to run your business. And by the time I finished my pilot's license, so say fast forward three years, I'd um, finished my pilot's license, was doing an uh, integration course with New Zealand, done my instructor's license, and I was had to choose between should I go work for an airline or should I cook burgers so I said that massive uh, decision I just invested 100k into uh, a pilot's license and three years of my time just flying every single day just getting destroyed by instructors doing all kinds of like landing in fields and flying with uh, through clouds and instruments and aerobatics you do all this crazy stuff um, so then I made the call I was like okay, I'm, I'm gonna go full send with with Bacon Bros so I um, just Started catering, started doing weddings, started um, cooking burgers any chance I could get. So I'd, I'd do delivery runs to businesses before they opened. So at six in the morning, I'd get up and um, cook burgers, drop them off to workplaces, uh, lunch, dinner. So I was working, say, 100 hours a week for three, four years. Saved every penny. Um, and then we opened our first restaurant. So when, when we were opening our first restaurant, we literally... Um, I was eating just leftover bread and maybe if there was some burnt bacon and maybe like a bit of old avocado or like a tomato, <laughs> every single penny. Taking so care of yourself, really taking care of your body and your mind. Yeah, and every, <laughs> like all the money went back in the business. So we opened our first restaurant at um, a place called Little High in Christchurch and we had no right opening a restaurant. Like I was never really been a chef, um, had no money, had this massive lease, this massive fit out, so I had to learn how to build stuff so I was like tiling and building and jibbing and I was getting mates that were sparkies and I would like cook my mates burgers for like a year in exchange for doing some sparky stuff and plumbers and we opened our first restaurant Little High, um, Bacon Bros Little High and then it sort of went from there. So the funny thing there is what I've heard you know um, you put yourself through two 
qualifications, I guess. You know, you went to university and obviously you studied finance, something at university. Mm, yeah. So you so you invested all the time and money to go to university, study finance, didn't like that. Studied and then invested a hundred thousand dollars more to become a pilot. And then when you found the career that you know, obviously has has stuck with you and and you have a massive passion for, no training. <laughs> Mm. and taught yourself on the job, you know? So I think you've certainly, I think, you know, you, you can't say that you haven't proved to yourself that this is the career and this is the path you should be on because you've you've gone down two other very specialised areas and, and put in all that time and effort to go, actually, burgers and, you know, food is where I'm at. And that's an amazing kind of place to get to, isn't it? Yeah, it just uh, goes back to what's uh, natural because I, I feel like, you can, I could have worked in finance or I could have worked in aviation and it would have been awesome and there would have been another story to tell. And I, I sort of chose to follow that, that burger path, that bacon path, and that, which has become now a barbecue path. So I sort of followed that path and I've, uh, I've found something that I, I can do um, that I love every day, which, um, which when everybody who has, everyone's got that sort of, that passion they can find. So when you find that, it's a really, um, it's really cool Cool feeling when you can wake up and do what you love. And what's what's the bit of it that you really that gets you fired up? Is it creating the burgers? Is it serving people? Is it like where, where, where's the bit that is the gold for you in this business? So what I like is is the locals that come back. So a lot of our burgers, if you've been to Christchurch, are named after people. So our, f- our first ever customer, say ten years ago, was a guy called Shane, and he came up to us and he was he was like. Um, can I have a burger? And I was like, yep, yep. Um, I was like, what do you want in it? Because I, I hadn't even made the burger before. Hadn't even practised at home. And he's like, just put everything in it. So I just went and got all the ingredients. I got beef, bacon, cheese, hash brown, sausage, chorizo. Made this massive burger. And then he, he ate it and he came back and he was he's this massive guy, say six foot five, 120 kgs. And he came back and I was like, shit, like he's going he's gonna to knock me out. He, he looks <laughs> furious. And, um, and he came up and he got his hand up and I thought he was going to punch me and then he went and shook my hand and I was like, I was like, wow. And I was, and I was like, what's that for? And he's like, that was the, the best burger I've had in my life. And I was, and then uh, I was just like, oh, that's awesome. And he's like, can I have another one? I made him, made another one and then came back and shook my hand. And so we put the Shane burger on the menu and that comes with a free handshake. So every, <laughs> every time you order the Shane burger, you get that handshake that he passed on to me, which sort of meant a lot to me. I mean, meant my first burger that we made was good because I had no clue what I was doing. I was just chucking ingredients in a bun. And that sort of gave us that uh, confidence that we, we could do it. So all our burgers have stories behind them. So we've got like 20, 30 burgers at each store and they've got stories. Does Shane still come back or have you killed him by he, still, um, uh, a heart attack by he, now from not, eating your burgers? <laughs> he's still, he, uh, we, we did this, uh, this campaign uh, called a Pledge Me campaign a few years ago. And he, he bought, uh, there was this one voucher you buy called Free Burgers for Life. So we had that for five grand. So he bought the free burgers for life. And then he came, he like perhaps came every single day. So within the first year, he ate like $6,000 worth of burgers. <laughs> so now he is making money. So the first year, you know, you break even. And then now he's he's probably had 30 grand with the burgers. So now he's winning. Um, so we've got one of those per store. We, we launched, we always do like a, a free burgers for life voucher. So he he's uh, he's a loyal uh, customer and become a good friend of mine so he's um all, all the staff sort of sort of know him and he's he's one of those heroes that um we wouldn't be here without him 
So how long has Bacon Brothers been been a thing? Like when did you did and you, did you start with a food truck? Is that what you did at like markets and things? Oh, was so that when you were saying? Yeah, so we started a market. So we didn't even have a food truck. So it's we, just a, a pop up tent and a and a table kind yeah, of thing. It's pretty much like what I'm doing now. Like we we borrowed a tent, we borrowed a friend's single gas cartridge camp burner. You know the, those little warehouse ones that twenty yep. bucks you put in like a. I have one in my comp kit that yep. we use to heat sources, right? Yeah, one of those little, like, it's like a fly spray can of yep. um, kerosene or whatever. So, yeah, one of those, but the we borrowed it and then um, the kerosene bottle was empty. So, we rocked up to cook burgers and then we, like, 8 o'clock in the morning and then we had no, whatever, propane or whatever. <laughs> so, we had to, the first day was just one of those disasters where you, uh, you rock up, you're getting ready, you got your bacon, your eggs and your bread and then you'd go to light the burner and it doesn't light. So then we had to rush around at eight in the morning, go to Mitre 10 and like grab that sort of stuff. So we went through, we've gone through a lot of, uh, a lot of disasters to get where we are. And when, and when did the restaurant open? So how long has the restaurant been open? So the restaurant or the first opened, restaurant. Um, so Little High opened, must have been say three, three years ago coming, maybe four years ago. So when was that? Say 2017, 18. Mm-hmm. So. And so with, with, you know, you're four years in that business and, and probably another couple of years before that doing the, the kind of more more um, transient operation. But because there's a lot of people right now who have, you know, for whatever reason, they've either you know, lost their jobs through COVID or, you know, they're, they're at that point and it's very kind of like popular to go, hey, I'm going to chuck everything mm. in and make it in the food industry. And then people find out how difficult it is to make it in the food industry, right? It's not a simple gig i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't recommend it it's as well as brutal <laughs> industries where uh everybody is a food critic these days so like um what often we'll get like a one-star review like the other day we got a one-star review from somebody um saying uh my patty was burnt and like they got a dry patty which happens and so first thing i do is i'd apologize i'll just say sorry and i'll say get in touch and um i'll, I'll say bring bring your wife and bring your friends in i'll make make you guys like five burgers and they'll all be all be mean Otherwise, you can slap me. I'll say something like that, and then they'll, they'll come in and they'll um, they'll bring all their mates in, and I'll make them mean burgers and give them another chance because you've got to win those repeat customers. So quite a lot of our customers are customers that have come in, and they could have come in on a Saturday night at seven thirty when there's been a say fifty people in the line queuing up, and they could have given us a one star because they had to wait forty five minutes. No, we'll just make it right. Um, so you got you got to win those customers back. So you you look after every customer because it's it's not like a an industry where customers are forgiving. It's one of those industries where you've got to nail every burger. Like if you put out bad fries or a bad burger or bad ribs, it's um, people take it personally. So would that be, do you think that would be a, your top tip for somebody looking to get into that business around making things right if they go wrong? Because they're going to go wrong, right? Yeah, like you, you make those mistakes. So we, we, we do hundreds of burgers a day. So we're doing 500 burgers a day. And out of those 500, um, you could something could go wrong. You could cook the chicken for 30 seconds too long or you, you could like forget to put avocado on their burger, which can, when it comes to food, like it can ruin someone's day. If they order a burger and it doesn't arrive with avocado, they're going to let you know. So you just have to own up and um, let them know you've you've made a mistake and, and make it right because customers will forgive you if you own up to it. The, the worst thing you can do is pretend that uh, it didn't happen. You can say, oh, no, that patty was that was good. You've just got to say, hey, yeah, it was, that patty was burnt. Um, and, and just own up. A bit of honesty, hey? Just a bit of whole humbleness and just like, hey, yeah, yeah. you know, things happen and make it right and, and survive. So when, um, obviously, you, you started in 2017 and then, uh, you know, everybody's world changed last year. And what did that do? What did 
COVID hitting, the lockdowns, the difference of you know people's thinking about going out and eating and all that kind of thing. How what did that do to your business, and how did you yeah how did you adapt? Did you have to adapt, or did you just ride it out? Like what was what was the the process for you? Yes, yeah, so it changed uh, things completely. Everything moved towards uh, delivery. So we were using Uber f- beforehand, but Uber got a real bad um, reputation during lockdown because they charge a really high 35% commission. So we decided to move to smaller New Zealand-based companies and um, we asked them, do you have enough drivers to deliver, say, like 100 burgers at lunch? They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And then in the first week after COVID, um, we had 100 burgers to go out at 12 o'clock for... Um, yeah, for the like the delivery system, and from the local company, one driver rocked up, and I was like, "Oh, where's the other ninety nine drivers?" And they're like, "Oh, I'll be back. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do that myself." And so he went to one burger, came back fifteen minutes later, delivered another. But we had to remake all the burgers because they just didn't have the capacity. So we we so we sort of tried to um, yeah, we tried to use the the Kiwi local companies to deliver, but they um just didn't have the capacity. So we, we got smashed for the first month afterwards and then we changed back to Uber because we found even though Uber are the big, um, sort of the big American company, we had to use them because they could uh, deliver on uh, on what they on the, what the customer orders. So we went back to Uber. Uber could keep up with all that because on Uber we, we do, I think we're one of the biggest in Christchurch, so we do yeah, thousands of burgers a week on Uber. So we moved to Uber and... Um, went went pretty well from there, and then over time it, it sort of moved back. We know that the restrictions dropped. It went back to dine in, and everyone's embracing that. So, in, in Christchurch, with the locations where it's really hard when we go to level two, level three, with all the spacing, just because of the, the way the seats work and everything, um, it puts people off if they have to come in. And and there's so many things you've got to like sit so far apart, and it kind of scares people. So. As soon as any, any sort of COVID level, our sales drop by half. So it's um, it's it's pretty hard on the business. And so, um, did you find that you had to do anything different for the delivery model? Did you have to cook the burgers differently or prep them differently to allow for the fact that it was going delivery rather than straight into somebody's hand who was going to eat it right at that point? You just got to make sure everything's hot because the, the last thing they want is to get this cold, soggy burger. So. Yeah, if you've got to have it all streamlined, you know when the with Uber you can tell when the drivers arriving, when like how far they are, you can track them, and it's got to make sure that um, everything's made right on time, and um, you've got to make sure the the drivers don't eat them on the way home as well, because we've had that we've had <laughs> a few times the drivers pinched a few burgers, taken a few bites, and you know like so you got to make sure you uh, you sort of staple the bags as well, so you know right. no one's no one's pinching your burgers. Yeah, well, that and, and it's funny you mentioned that because um, yeah, the next thing I want to move on to is beers, right? And yep. and you started your own brewery, and I know you know for for everybody at home, um, since we started talking to Troy about coming on, he said, oh, "I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you some beer," and I was like, "Brilliant, great! I'd love you to send me some beer. That sounds awesome." And you sent me the beer, and then after a few days, you said, "Has the beer arrived?" I said, "No, the beer's not arrived yet." And then you spoke to somebody and they said, oh, it's still in transit somewhere. And then I think just the other day you were like, hey, did that beer ever turn up? And I was like, no, that beer never turned yeah, we'll, we'll up. Right. Down, so uh, it obviously um, ended up in somebody's uh, somebody's house. But but I reckon, you know, and we talked about this earlier a little bit, probably a little bit more for them because what they didn't know about this beer, which is really interesting, and I've got some right here, we've been enjoying some earlier, is this is a um, special brew, isn't it? This is a, 
a chili hazy. So yeah, it's got. Yeah. Uh, tell, tell us about this beer before we talk about beers in general. Oh, there was a uh, chili f- sauce festival in Christchurch, so we brewed this beer for the the hot sauce festival. So it has. It's a hazy uh, IPA that we put in three kilograms of Spicy Boys uh, jalapenos into it. So we just dice them up and put them in there. So I think they might be the most chilies that have ever been in a, a keg of beer. So like I've had a lot of chili beers before. You can't actually taste the chili. But with this one, with all our beers, if we say it's a ha- chili hazy, it's, it's going to be chilly. If we say it's a, a peach sour, it's going to taste like peaches. We'll, we'll put in, we did this apricot sour. We put in 120 apricots into the fermenter. What we want all our beers to be what they are, so the real action pack. So we uh, we just full send all our beers. It's a beautiful beer, and you know, if you're lucky, because I know that you only brew, you've brewed this once, yep. and I yep. hope you're going to brew it again because it's a it's a great beer. But if you get to try it, what Troy says about what you say about the flavour of the jalapeno coming through is absolutely spot on. Like you can, it just tastes like you put it in your mouth. It almost tastes like a jalapeno popper. In mm. a hazy beer, that's the the best I can get. Yeah, in it's, terms got, it's of got description. the aromas. It's got the nose, and it's got the um, the the haze in there. So it's uh, it's got it's got the makings of it. It's a good festival beer. Like I, I wouldn't have it, wouldn't have five of them. But I'd um, if I was a festival, I'd I'd have one. Or if I was like you know having a, a hot chicken burger or something, I'd smash it. But I. It's not, uh, not what you'd have when you're you know, having dinner with your parents and that sort of thing. See, at the moment, Troy, I'd, I would have five of these quite happily. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's great beer. I love it. So the reason, you know, and the reason Troy sent me this is because you are about to open uh, your own microbrewery. You call it a microbrewery yeah, so or would you call it a brewery? Like, yeah, so how, how would you describe it? It's definitely microbrewery. So we've, we've got the brewery running, but we're opening a sort of barbecue joint and, and craft, beer, um, craft beer bar. So um, we're just... My, my two passions in life now have evolved from, uh, which was bacon, to burgers, to um, now barbecue and beer. So those uh, are just what I, what I love, uh, sort of eating and drinking and also making. So a new venue, Beers, uh, opening next month in Christchurch. Um, so we're doing all, all things barbecue, all things cooked over fire, plus uh, our brewery, we, we make one new beer a day, so 365 beers a year. And every time you pop into the restaurant, you'll get different beers and, and different uh, barbecue. I think it's a great idea. And, and, you know, imaginatively titled Beers, that's the title of the brewery. Yeah, and and now you're going um, to. The way that, that popped up was um, like a lot of the other names have, have been taken. So what I was thinking was, you know, Bacon Brothers Brewery. But then in Auckland, there is Brothers Brewery. Mm-hmm. So we, it would get destroyed in court if we, if we called it Brothers Brewery. And then there's also, there's a. A barbecue team called like Barbecue Brothers and everything, so we couldn't go down. In the brothers with with beer and barbecue was taken, so I was just talking with my partner um, Chloe about what should we call it, and I was just like, I just want to have somewhere we can go and just drink some beers, and she's like, Yep, let's call it beers. So we just went with beers, and beers limited hadn't been taken, and the company's obviously it or trademark. So we just that's start. crazy that you know just something as simple as beers hasn't been trademarked. Yeah, right? just and simple, um, you know, just <laughs> it's memorable as well. Like it's just easy. And is your brother still part of Bacon Brothers or Beers? Like, yeah, so is I've he still got, a partner? Um, you got two brothers who have, have uh, sort of been and, and gone with Bacon Brothers. So uh, my younger brother's moved to Netherlands. He fell in love with a girl and moved to Amsterdam uh, last year. So um, he might come back, uh, but he's he's following the love, and I'm I'm following the the burgers and the beers. So. <laughs> We'll see uh, what happens. Um, we obviously won't tell Chloe you said that, who's your lovely partner her, and, you know, with a, a, a young, yep, a young yeah, family. Yeah. We, we'll keep that out no, of the yeah, show, no, shall we? we? She won't listen to the <laughs> podcast, so that's all right, yeah. 
That's awesome. So Bears is opening soon. And tell us about the philosophy behind Bears because I think it's it's super interesting what you guys are thinking about doing in terms of, you know, your brewing um, and the variety that you want to have in in that location. And God, I hope you branch out very quickly and bring some of your operation to Auckland and, uh, and give us something to, to come to as well. But tell us about the, the ethos and how you, what you believe and how you are going to approach beers in particular. Yeah. So with, with beers, we just believe in so those full flavor action packed beers. And, uh, we, uh, we, so we're brewing 365 beers a year, one new beer a day. So every, if you, every time you come to the restaurant and you try a new beer and you, you'll never be able to try that beer, that, beer again it'll be unique so it's just kind of based on on what i like uh drinking um i've been drinking a lot of uh those sort of north Island breweries like garage project and behemoth and deep creek and the ones around here like sawmill mcleod's they they bring out these real punchy as beers but in the south island we uh i think we're just lacking a few breweries like i'd like to see 10 20 more breweries in the south island doing those big uh sort of punchy beers so i'm just sort of in there to help the the beer scene in in the south island um like we need those those different beers, um, so we're just making those beers. And in the South Island, we don't really have that many uh, barbecue joints as well. So in Auckland, you you guys are lucky you got quite a few going on. But in the South Island, um, it's still quite a new thing. Like not many people are barbecuing. I think the barbecue scene is mainly in, in the Auckland area, but in, in the South Island, we're still sort of uh, catching on to everything. So we're just trying to do some different stuff, like cooking different meats, like your beef cheeks and lamb shanks and every time you come in there should be different stuff on the menu so we just want to make some food and, and beers that uh, I enjoy and I hopefully other people enjoy it as well. And so you're going to look because I think it's a really interesting thing like you're gonna are you gonna pair the daily menu for the barbecue with different beers are you gonna have that kind of option because barbecue is a food that is very you know often very strong in its flavors so it needs something kind of equally punchy to go with it right or, or something that's going to cut through some of the fat that we have in there so are you are you going to look to to make that menu paired with certain beers you're going to have recommendations like how's that going to yeah, work every beer will be um, matched with um, different meals so i think traditionally uh, in america what they do is they just drink sort of clean lagers with with their barbecue so they don't, they don't want the beer to overpower but personally i like uh, real massive ipas uh real strong uh punchy beers that sort of uh can bring out other f- other flavors in the food so i think we can um yeah bring out those those big those big beers that will complement the food so i'm going to put you on the spot now and we haven't talked about this at all so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna make you sweat and make you um think about this a little bit what would you pair? I'm going to give you a barbecue mm. food and you're going to tell All me right, what yeah, beer, yeah, what type yeah. of beer, yeah. so that people at home and they can, if they're in the supermarket and they know they are cooking ribs yep. or whatever, you're going to go, this is the best beer to go with it. So let's start. Pork ribs. What are you pairing with pork ribs? I'll go a uh, sour. Ooh. Ooh. Controversial. Yeah, think, I'm not think, a big fan of sour. So well, I think they're growing, but I think when you've got those sweet ribs, you want something to, to cut through that. So I'd, I'd go like a peach sour. Ooh. Or something to complement the, you know, the peachy flavour of the of the pork, but also cut through it. Okay, good start, good start. Let's go to the other end of the barbecue flavour spectrum. Let's go um, real savoury beef, whether it's brisket, whether it's um, shin or you know cheeks, for example. What would you put with that? You have to you go the the darker beer. So you want like a brown, uh, like a sort of a brown ale or a, a stout or a porter, something with those sort of chocolatey, caramelly flavours to. You know, bring out the best in that beef. Okay, let's go uh, New Zealand favourite. New Zealand favourite. 
Leg of lamb. Oh, leg of lamb. I'd, I'd go a, uh, a West Coast IPA, so a crisp sort of um, aromatic IPA, you know, with those sort of those aromas that will help bring out the, the best in lamb. And is that because of the fat content of the lamb? You need something to oh, cut through as well, that kind lamb, of crispiness? Lamb, you sort of go that rosemary, mint flavour, so you know that real aromatic, so something to complement okay. those, uh, those herby flavours. Okay, and finally, um, and whether it's a drumstick, a thigh or a whole bird, chicken or poultry, where are we going for, for that? I'd go uh, a big big hazy, so I'd just get a real mm. juicy juicy hazy to go with that juicy chicken. Yeah, that would be... I, I, I do love a hazy, so I'm, I'm down with you on that one, definitely. So, you know, you, you're going to have a barbecue restaurant, so you're obviously cheating coming into barbecue competitions because you're a barbecue cook, so automatically I'm going to try and sabotage whatever you do, uh, being a competitor. But Shaka, that's your barbecue team. And yep, yep. Uh, what number competition is this for Shaka? This, this is, is my your second competition, and I'm very much still trying to figure out what's going on. So I'm not going to lie, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and I just put meat in a box and hopefully I get good points. So I, I'm still asking a lot of questions, like talking to a lot of the people out there, Ken and uh, Truck Norris and pretty much all, all the teams around me, I'm just asking, hey, is this, what do I do with this? Like, how do I do this chicken? How do I do this? So I've got, going to the comp on the weekend, I've got no idea what I'm doing. I'm cooking on a brand new barbecue I just put together that, I've never cooked on before, and I have, yeah, like, I am just going to fake it. Like, I have no clue what's going on. Now, this is a running theme, isn't it? Because uh, I know that your first competition was Cumi a couple of months ago here in New Zealand, um, which is, I think this competition, Smoke on the Coast and Cumi, are now about equal in size. They're both about 40 teams, which for a New Zealand competition, that's a big competition. Mm. You know, meat stock is the only one that gets above 50. Um and you cooked on the Jack Daniels mm. uh, Radar Hill trailer pit at Cumi, which you'd never cooked on either, right? Had you cooked, you, but you cooked on offsets before, Yeah, right? so offset is, is what I tend to cook on at home. So at my first uh, pit was a, a Weber that um, was like a 50-year-old Weber that I, I got. Um, a 50-year-old Weber's pretty cool, though. Was, yeah, that, was that from the family, or like yeah, so when, from back a, when you um, were cooking? Yeah, no, this is actually from a good friend of mine, um, who's had it since they were a kid. So um, yeah, he, he sort of gifted it to me when I got into barbecue. It's one of those old red ones that's like three times as heavy as the modern day where it was like it's just full metal. Solid piece of kit. Yeah, it, it goes awesome. So I, I learned to cook on that and then I just bought um, just like a Bunning, oh, it was actually a Mitre 10 offset, just one of those unbranded copy offsets. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I got my mate who's an engineer to take off the chimney from the um, straight through side and put it on the reverse flow side and then put a baffle plate in and with this $500 pit and the free Weber that I got I've, I've got some really good results what, what I've learned is that if you can cook on a Weber or a cheap as um, offset then when you go to an actual good pit like my the pit that I've got at the restaurant is this this massive uh, three meter long rectangular reverse flow offset with made with two ton of steel by this guy in Christchurch called Glenn O'Neill, like who's a who's a guru when it comes to fire. So when it when it comes to one of those pits that actually holds temp and is all insulated and has all the gadgets, um, it just makes it easier. So now with the since I've battled for so long on the on the Webers and the on the cheap offsets, when it comes to a, a proper pit, you can just choose a temp and you can stick it at say two seven five all day and we'll hold it. So that pit sounds amazing. And it's did awesome, you design yeah. that with 
with the builder or did you was that something that they were like hey this is what we've done before for others or how did that come about i know yeah. we're kind of jumping about a little bit but that that's a great kind of yeah thing for the, to for chat the restaurant we were quite limited in space so we needed to fit as much capacity as we could in a, like a certain area so i had i w- worked out the kitchen i was i was so I sort of design all the restaurants and the layout and stuff. And with the kitchen, we had because we're, we're doing uh, a gas cook line and a charcoal wood fire cook line. And, and with the regulations, you've got to have two different extraction systems. So you have to put them in separate areas. So the area that I had for the, the wood fire charcoal extraction system was three meters. So I had to fit as much as I could. So we did a one meter firebox. And then to the right of that is a two meter cook chain, chamber. And I was looking at a circular, sort of traditional barrel-shaped uh, cook chamber, and if you if you make that rectangular, you, you pretty much double the cook capacity because you're getting full-size racks all the way up. So with uh, if we were going to go a circular cook chamber, we could fit in 50 racks of ribs. With our rectangular one, we can fit 100 racks of ribs. So with if we cook, um, say three times a day, we can. Um, we can just pump out yeah, something like we can do 90 briskets a day or 300 racks of ribs if we're doing three cooks so we can really pump out the capacity. That's a crazy amount of meat, hey, for New Zealand as well like and barbecue. like, Are you expecting to be that high or are you expecting we, to sort of... We'll start off one cook a day and then if it goes well, we'll, we'll go to double cook and then if it goes well, we'll, we'll do that that uh, third cook. Um, we probably could, if we crank the temps up, we probably could do four cooks a day. We've got a whole lot of alto shams in Canberra so we can hold the meat um, at, at a good temp so you need to we've got that future proofing because I've seen the pits at um, Blue Ox Babe and Moorpork and they've got these massive offsets like I'm pretty sure the one at Moorpork was how long like 10 metres long like mm. it's uh, that's huge so we, we, we couldn't fit in that 10 metre long pit so we have to we had to sort of make that rectangular shape we've got and I also love cooking those steaks hot and fast and all those things like chicken and sausage so I've, on top of the firebox we've got an asado grill so we can scoop out the coals, put it on the asado, and do those steaks hot and fast. That's awesome. That that is awesome. So, yeah, let's go back to the comps and shaka. So this is comp number two, and obviously you have to for most of the comps, um, especially if you want to cook NZBA versus SCA, and we'll talk about SCA in a moment as well because you've you've been doing quite well in that. Um, but for the NZBA, which for our overseas listeners is the same as like KCBS style. Um, or, you know, your, your main barbecue, so it's brisket, it's ribs, it's chicken, it's pork usually. Um, you have to travel between islands, so that's automatically quite difficult. You cook on your own, which mm. is quite difficult, and this is only your second comp. Like, how are you getting around some of those issues uh, to, to make it up here and, and do the stuff you do? Yeah, so it's, it's pretty much big borrow still, so... I've, I've just asked a lot of favours from a lot of people that I'll be repaying with a, a lot of beers. So I've borrowed pretty much everything up here um, that I'm using. If I didn't couldn't borrow it, I stole it. So I went and stole a few picnic tables from uh, down by the beach. So I've dragged across two picnic tables <laughs> to my gazebo. And then we pulled a few strings and we've, we just unboxed a, f- a, uh, a brand new uh, Oklahoma Joe Bronco that we've just put together and I'm currently seasoning uh, there, so I've uh, yeah, pretty much never owned a Bronco and um, haven't really cooked on one. So I need to. I'm gonna just just sort of fake it and ho- just chuck some meat in, hang some ribs, uh, wrap it. You know, s- just see what happens. And yeah, it's, it's it's really hard when you when you're flying um, from a different island. 
uh, in, in the future, if, if I can get good at comps and um, I'd love to get like a proper barbecue pit. I think like the Cook Bros have got like a sort of the first, one, one of the first ones in New Zealand, like a proper trailer. Um, so I'd love to yeah, get like a, a trailer with everything in it so you can have your, your pits and your sink and your benches and everything. That way you can just drive up, mm-hmm. park up and you've got everything. Because at the moment it's, uh, I'm pulling a lot of, lot of favours to get those pits. So um, without... All, all those people that are helping me, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. But that's the barbecue community coming together, isn't it? Which is kind of what happens at many of these things. Um, I know we've got uh, a couple of kids that we gave away um, in association with Derek, who's the promoter. Mm. We gave away some free kids' entries into the Kids' Queue tomorrow. Oh, and, cool. and, you know, some of them have had pits provided. They've had help, assistance given, um, just the things that we all take for granted as things that we know we need that they don't know. And we're going, somebody's gone, Oh, I will have some extra of this. You have some of that, have some of this, have some of this, which, which really you see it time and time again, I think in the, in the barbecue, especially the competition scene. And I guess stories like yours in terms of, you know, Oh, Luke said, here, have a couple of these or, you know, um, the Aber guys here, have a, have this Bronco to cook on or, or wherever it came from in a really great way, aren't actually that uncommon. Mm. Yeah, um, no, the, the barbecue community is awesome. Um, yeah, people will help each other out. Like, I think that's, it goes back to what barbecue is about. Like, yeah, if you put aside the competition, uh, barbecue is about family and community and bringing people together and sort of sharing good food. So um, even in the super competitive uh, barbecue scene, you, you go back to the basics where people just want to uh, cook around fire, drink some beers and, and tell some stories. So... Um, Take us back to Kumu. It was your competition number one. Yep, yep. Like, and you walk into and and Kumu. For those that don't know, I mean, that's an intense competition, right? It's a it's super fun, and everything's got lots of stuff going on around it. But that's one of our most serious competitions out there as competitors, and we all take it pretty seriously. Most of us do. If you want to do well, you've got to, because if you want to be in the top ten out of forty teams, it's you're not just going to turn up, cook, and just expect to get there. How was that for you as a new team? Like, what did you learn? What was your experience? Did you kind of go into it thinking one thing and coming out thinking another? Like, how did you, what did you, what did you get out of that? Yeah, so I went in um, pretty fresh. I had no clue what I was doing. So I can cook in a restaurant. So, so if you said cook for 500 people in a restaurant, I'd smash it out. But when it came to a competition, you got to get every box perfect and slices the same size and it was it was a pretty um, eye-opening experience. So luckily I was next to Adam from the Four Sourcemen, uh, so I, I just asked heaps of questions, and he said, don't put that in the box, like throw that away, put that in. Because like, I, I was cooking all these meats, and he was like, oh, just, just keep it simple, you know, only put in um, what what the judge, like if you put in, say, three different kinds of lamb and only one of them is good, the two are bad, they'll judge, judge on your worst one. So you've got to you've got to only really put in the box if it's perfect. So I, I learned a lot from your people around me so I was asking barbecue boy and um four sourcemen just heaps of questions and uh I, I learned a lot so I was pretty happy like I think I ended up around midfield and my my best placing was fourth in steak and 12th in brisket um other, other ones I think I did, did pretty bad but I, I learned for my chicken I did it like a Korean um fried chicken sauce and the judges they want you know they want the classic the barbecue sauce so I I learned a lot of lessons and I, I won't know do the Korean fried chicken sauce <laughs> I was doing things that I like but I learned you've got to do the flavors that the judges expect and 
Um, so you, you don't want to offend people. Like you don't want to um, chuck in coriander or things that could offend people. So just sort of go with those good solid flavors and um, yeah, just get that texture right. Yeah, I think one of the things that, you know, it's really hard to actually do because when you turn up for your first competition or your first few competitions, to be honest, you're, there's part of you that's like, well, I like this, so therefore they will. Or, mm. oh, I know that everybody said that, but you know what? If I do this really well, then I will, you know, people will change their minds to me. And they just don't. And you mm. learn that and you learn the whole thing, which is, you know, somebody described it as, you want to make the McDonald's of barbecue, mm. which is the least offensive to the most amount of people. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's some good feedback, and so that's where I'm, I'm going with my uh, recipes for this time. So for the first comp, I made my own sauces, made them all from scratch, and they weren't as good as what you can buy. So now I've just bought some sauces from Barbecue Boy because you know those are, those are tried and tested, and they work. Like uh, my my chicken sauce that I made from scratch was like. I was, I was doing all this real cool stuff and like it was, it was all these awesome ingredients, but people just they want those those good tried and tested flavors. So at the moment, I'm, I'm using yeah just the barbecue boy rubs and stuff. I was, I was making my own rubs and I, f I found like if you just put a bit too much chili or too much of a, a spice that the judges don't like, then it's all over. And you know, you think those the people who made those rubs are often competitors mm, and they've right. spent a lot of time perfecting those before they get to the shelf. So there's actually. Yeah, I think there's that thing that everybody goes, oh, we should be using, you should be making your own rubs and your own sauce. And you go, well, these guys are experts and they make really great stuff and that's kind of not what competitive barbecue is. It's not about, it's not a sauce competition or a, it's a cooking and, you mm. know, a barbecue competition. It doesn't matter if you don't. It's great if you can and you do and, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. all power to anybody who's going to do that. And I'd love to see some homemade rubs and stuff doing really well. Yeah, but, yeah. um yeah, that is what the judges do. But I tell you one place, you know, you might have come midfield in the NZBA uh, competition and we'll see how you do tomorrow and on Sunday because obviously by the time this comes out, we may be uh, saying, actually, you didn't come midfield at all. You know, you did very well or, or you crashed and burned oh, or you oh, came midfield yeah, again. I think you know, I'm either going to crash and burn or, or midfield. Like, I'm, I don't have huge um, hopes, but I'll... I'll, I'll do my best and see, see where I get you. Yeah. Let's see what happens. But one place you have been doing very well, and last weekend especially, you picked up a second place in the stake SCA at um, Hammer Springs at the oh, top Pe of Pegasus, the... Pegasus, Pegasus. Oh, yeah. Pegasus, sorry, Pegasus. not Hammer Springs. That's not been yet. That's coming up. Uh, that's the sous vide mm. uh, SCA. But yeah, Pegasus, the good home. Uh, it's just outside of Christchurch, isn't it? Yeah, or about an hour north of Christchurch. So you know, tell us about the SCA side, because you certainly... Um, popping up here and there on there as well. So, and, and actually, to, to be uh, very transparent with your listeners, uh, I enjoyed some steak from Troy just before we started this interview, and it was delicious. So uh, I think you could well do very well again tomorrow. Um, tell us about how you approach, why do you like, do you like, do you love the SEA side? Do you like it more than the NZBA? Like, do you, what do you think about the steak cooking? Yeah, SEA is good for new competitors. It's just, uh, it's a bit more simple. New, it's a one-day comp. And all you have to do is cook one ribeye steak, and you can do the side dishes, the ancillaries, if, if you wish. So it's a easy uh, entry into the barbecue world. Now, are you allowed to do the ancillary tomorrow? Because I believe one of the ancillary is burgers, and I, I would suggest that that is an unfair advantage for every other SCA cook to go up against Troy Bilbra in burgers. So are you cooking that one? Oh, I'm, I'm doing the burgers, but I've seen <laughs> what the other people can do. So um, if you saw... Ken down at Fire and Ice, like he was doing a, a ramen uh, burger, and like you've 
I think it's it's good to also not be in the industry because you you do see things differently. So when if you went to foreign ice or the the back to school, like people are doing sort of uh, white bait burgers and ramen burgers and all these things, like because because I'm so used to cooking those smash burgers. When you say burger, like I'm I'm gonna do something smash burger with um, other sort of people that are not cooking smash burgers every day. They've got a, a better sort of more creative. So I think. I can do a good restaurant burger, but when it comes to that one bite challenge, I think there's some other people out there that uh, can make some pretty impressive uh, things. Now they've got the kids' queue as burgers as well. Have they roped you into judging? I haven't. I haven't, but um, yeah, I'll be out there um, help helping if they uh, need me. Yeah, my daughter's cooking in that, so she is not doing a smash burger. She's smoking her burger. Oh wow! Um, but she does what we call inside-out cheeseburgers. So she's oh, awesome. she's she makes two patties and then she puts mozzarella and blue cheese inside the patties and puts them together and then so the cheese is inside. Mm. That's her thing. So yeah, we'll blue see. cheese is one of those risky things. Like I, I love blue cheese, but all the judges like it's one of those. One of, those one of those coriander things, you know. I guess we'll find out tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, thinking about the steaks, so um, I know you do your technique is a little bit different, and I am obviously a huge proponent right now. We'll see after the weekend of the sear revolution, and I'm going full cast iron mm. pan sear. Tell us about your method and process because you do it a little bit differently to me as well. Yeah, so at home I love uh, steering. For, for comps, I'm sticking to method I've used since uh, my first comp which was foreign ice I've done I think say six or seven comps so my first comp foreign ice I did uh, a reverse grill so I um, run it low and slow with uh, manuka or cherry just some some good um, some wood and get, get some flavor into it I run it to about 110 115 and then I take it off let it rest for say half an hour just sort of let it rest to back down to say 80 degrees Fahrenheit and then I'll get the grill grates up to quite hot, say 750. That is quite hot for a grill grate. Right? That's, yeah. that's pretty hot. Yeah, so yeah. I, run, I run them pretty hot. And just because I've already had that initial cook, I'll, uh, depending on the ambient temperature, te- temperature outside, like if it's, I was up in Kerry Kerry the other day and it was like 25 degrees. So all I had to do was 45 seconds per turn. So four turns at 45 seconds. But if you're down in Christchurch and it's a frosty zero degree day, you might need to do it for say a minute 15 per turn and I take up to about 132, 133 into the butter, like a, just make a garlic butter bath into that, rest it up and then um, make sure there's no sort of sauce dripping because you can get those penalty points if you sort of mm-hmm. have that um, that sort of garlic butter dripping around the box. So just take shake that off and then into the box. So it just has a, like a nice garlic butter underneath but the hill still has a grill gr- uh, marks on top because I find if you give it too much butter on top the grill marks will wash off and um, do you find that with the reverse sear you experience do you have to take into account for that reverse part of it that the texture changes or you know the cook's slightly different so if you just literally do a straight grill grates kind of direct cook yeah I, I find um like I don't think any of the New Zealand judges have chosen a reverse sear as a winner or a reverse grill as a as a winner. Yeah, um, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure direct grilling has won or searing has won. I think so. Yeah. So from the so I I, I personally like the reverse sear just because it does break down a bit more of that collagen in it. You get that smoky flavour as well. So if you do it correctly, you can see that smoke ring around the outside and then a bit of the brown and then the the medium 
um, cooked all the way through. So I, I personally love it. Um, but the the highest I've ever got a second. I got a second, a third, a fourth, and a, a tenth as my, and maybe like a twelfth, and I think another one I got maybe like twentieth or something. So I um, yeah, I find the judges do prefer that grill taste, but I, I think someone can if they pull off that reverse here, yeah, they can um, they can get that get that win. And I I, I run like a um, I, I run a wet brine as well, so I've always run run the same method. I do a wet brine, um, yeah, season it. Using uh, you do like a four sourceman white lightning, um, yeah. I was running. What was I using before? Uh, I think it was this Derek Wolf Spiceology mm-hmm. garlic, garlic and herb, just because it's a real different sort of taste. So no, I don't think anywhere else in New Zealand has got that that, that um, spice mix. So I was run, running that, and yeah, I get that good result. You get the that that four sourceman beef rub because that that good colour and the Derek Wolf has got the the herbs in that. White Lightning has got that dirty, sort of filthy MSG sort of taste that the judges love because I think <laughs> you've got to have that MSG yep. in there to. to I think you there. do. I know we'd all sort of purestly like to say that we don't, but hey, you know what? It it makes things taste good, and so I, I'm a proponent. So as mentioned um, just now, just as we were getting into our initial round of ten burning questions, the campground shut down our power and we lost the recording. So Troy has graciously agreed to come back, see us here on Barbecue Base. Troy, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is uh, this will be our third round of hot sauce because eh? we actually <laughs> we, we lost um, we lost two recordings at Smoke on the Coast. Eh? The the first time we didn't record, the second time the power cut. So we've had a lot of hot sauce. Yeah, we did. I think the um, the maybe some sponsor supplied product came into. Uh, came into some of our recording session there and, and affected us. But um, yeah. look, I think this gives us a really nice opportunity though, because at that competition, you um, got your way into the what they were calling the Super Saturday Steak Round, which was an extra SCA steak for uh, 13 competitors. Um, so you managed to get into that and you managed to actually pick up the title for that, didn't you? So tell us a little bit about... Um, you know, first of all, how did you get in the in the round, and um, you know, how did you approach that stake? Yeah, so the first um, round of the SEA um, at Smoke on the Coast was um, just like a classic SEA, and I, I went in and I um, I did something that I've never done before, which was the single lines, and the stake just got destroyed by the judges, and I, um, I I knew I could do better than that, so I. When, when Derek said um, there's three wild cards, like who wants to cook another steak, I put my hand up and I think I was like the third person to put the hand up and I managed to get in as a wild card. So there's a top 10 and then I got in as a wild card. And I um, I was, yeah, I just decided I'll try the same thing again, same rubs, but I'm just going to like nail the doneness. Um, we only had an hour to get, get it all ready. So I just went super heavy on the rubs, um, chucked it in like a, a brine, um, just try to get as much flavor as I could within an hour. Normally you get like two, three hours to prepare a steak, but this one we had now. So I, I just did the same same rubs, uh, four sourcemen, miracle rub, um, white lightning, um, a bit of, I think I use this hot one from this uh, adobo honey. There's like a kind of finishing, finishing um, sort of rub with a bit of uh, you know, white lightning bourbon charcoal. So I had like heaps of flavor in there and I went with a single lines and um, luckily, the judges this time were people that had were competitors, not men, uh, members of the public. So, I think you were actually the judge that eight mile one, which sounds pretty rigged. Uh, 
<laughs> I was actually judging. I managed to get myself into the judges' tent for that one. And interestingly, uh, there were actually only two of us who were competitors. Um, so it was myself and John Kay from uh, Jurassic Park who were competitors. And then there was some. Uh, uh, there was a couple of just off the off the campground punters, as it were. And Michael from Aber, who's obviously within the barbecue industry, and um, David from Aber uh, as well. So um, it was still a reasonable cross section of judging. It wasn't just competitors, but I do remember your stake with the um, single lines, and um, it was hands down the best stake of the night for me. So I mean, I know I gave it. Um, I, I can tell you, I gave it uh, full marks across the board. Like they were, you didn't drop a single point from me. So um, I loved it. And the interesting thing there, when you talk about that hot rub, because I tried some of that rub literally in my hand um, during the weekend uh, at one point over in your your area. And the interesting, I think people get really scared about putting hot rubs on food, thinking it's going to be really hot. But it didn't, like it didn't have a whole heap of chili. Like I didn't go, oh, there's a hot rub on there. I, I totally, I probably got the honey more mm. from it but it was a it was a beautiful steak so yeah because I, I, I find the I, I use the uh the chili adobo honey rub and then that sort of balances out if you put it in a butter bath as well so it's like a west gold and then garlic butter bath and the, the chili sort of balances out with the with the adobo honey that way it's sort of more more smoother rather than just a, a massive hit of the the chili so that way it's not too offensive yeah talk me through your technique here because you do I keep trying to get you to do a full sear, but I know you don't do the full sear, but you do you do it differently from others. You're not a direct sear you know, on the grill grate straight away, are you? Yeah, so I use a reverse sort of grill. So I give it a bit of smoke, um, run it at 200 Fahrenheit or 225 with um, manuka or apple or cherry, whatever wood I can get my hands on, and just let that, that smoke soak in and then let it rest and then hit it on the grill grates or either sear and yeah, the reason I went for single lines is because I've always been doing crisscross and I thought, why can't we just get some nice, like straight diagonal lines on there or something? I, I did it again last weekend at Pocono and got slammed on it. So I don't think I'll do it again. Like I think it might've just been a one-off uh, with the appearance. Um, judges kind of like the, you know, the, they like the sear or the girl grapes, um, the crisscross di diamonds. I think it worked once. Uh, I, might, I might pull out a, in like a year's time, might try it again or, or try something different. Like people have talked about all, like all the lines going in the same direction really close together so you can do things like that so you can do like instead of going crisscross just go heaps of straight lines and so i'll try some other things um i, I will do a few more um yeah pan sears with a nice sort of garlic butter in the future yeah i think I, i'm constantly trying i'm going to i did the full sear on that on that steak and let's say i got i did not do very well <laughs> I was definitely down towards the bottom of the pack in yeah. that round, but I'm not blaming the sear. So I'm not blaming the sear and the judges slamming it because it was seared. I'm blaming the cook myself. Yeah, try try the reverse sear. I can I, I can give it a bit of bit of smoke and bring the whole steak up to 110, 120 and then finish her off. I reverse seared mines, but oh, I yeah, did yeah. it in a full sear at the end. So I reverse it. Um yeah. I took it to I think I took it to about 128 or 29. And I think that was, it was under when I got through the sear, I think, but by the time it rested, 
um, and the temperature drops in it, obviously the sear didn't bring it up to finish the cook. So that's a good learning for me. Um, but I, I did want to say that my, my son who's 13, so he cooks officially in the SCA. Mm -hmm. So he, he does the steaks and he came in 16th, um, which for somebody who's literally on the edge of the, and he's always very happy. He beat me the time before by half a point or 0.2 of a point. Mm -hmm. and this time he beat me by about 20 points. So he was very happy with the whole thing. Yeah, that just shows that all, all the new people do so well at SEA. Like, yeah, I saw it at Pocono last weekend. Um, the guy that got third was a guy doing his first comp. And, and you see that every SEA, like the guys that are, are fresh uh, do pretty well. It's because they don't overthink it. They don't mm, overthink it. Just keep it simple. And I would recommend, look, I'd recommend to anybody out there, uh, go and judge because it was awesome to judge. I really enjoyed it. I've judged NZBA and that was my first SCA stake judging. Um, and it was great. If only for the fact you get to eat um, 13 bits of steak. So that was my dinner that night. It was, I was, I was very full now. So that was well done for you, Troy. That was an awesome result. And um I know it's got you a bit of uh, fame down there in Christchurch. So you're living the living the Vida Loca at the moment, getting a little bit of man about town. So I hope you enjoy that for a little while yet. Yeah, got a few got a few phone calls from the the AM radio stations, and um, so I was on the a few AM radio stations, and then the I think the Breeze and um, Seven Sharp. But they they called me nonstop for a week. My phone was just going crazy. I, I was flat out trying to build this restaurant, and my phone was going crazy, saying like, "Come cook me a steak." and um, it was a bit of fun. I'm not, I'm not really one for the spotlight. So I kind of hid as much as I could and now they've forgotten about right. it. Now they go on to the next thing. So it was a bit of fun, but it was, um, it's easily take forgotten your, in the media. Take your five minutes, take your five minutes, right? Yeah, this yeah. should get you another five minutes of fame. Cause we're going to do it again, aren't we? We're going to go back in. We're going to do the 10 burning questions. Now I, as usual, have got the fire dragon chilies, dragon's fury from our friend Clint Meyer at fire dragon chilies um and you know so that's its usual venomous tongue eating self and i've got it on a little uh, i'll just show troy there oh, i've got my oops got oh, my nice. blob of it on a cracker which is pretty hefty uh, now you have a little um array of things in front of you why don't you tell me what you've got there yeah so i just raided the pantry on the way out so i've got the spicy boys uh, from christchurch i've got one from froth technologies which is like a, they make yeast for breweries um, so they made like a limited edition of um, fermented um, hot sauce for their crowdfunding. And then I've got one from down in Geraldine Owl's Laboratory, and that's their hot pepper. So I didn't have any crackers or anything, so I, I just looked at what I had. And so I'm just going to take <laughs> shots, I think. I think I'll just take shots of the hot sauce. Oh, and, my um, gosh. If this is anywhere as good as what happened at Smoke on the Coast, I remember you, you were sweating from your eyes. You were like, your whole face went red. You were really, you were punishing. So um it should be a bit of fun. Okay, well, uh, I think then, which are you going to start with then? Are you going to work your way through them as we go? Oh yeah, do you reckon I just I can just take a shot every now and then, or I can we can I do think, it right yeah, at the start. and we'll just we'll just tell people what you're what you're doing at that point. So where are you going to start? Are you starting with the spicy boys? Are we going in order? Yeah, I'll start with the spicy boys. Yeah, and we'll. Uh, okay, well, so. And remember, well, I don't. I I have seen you drinking. Now remember, you're not allowed to take a drink during this either. So I have uh, one one drink before we start. Yeah, you get you get your last moment in. So uh, for everybody, I'm gonna we're gonna start now. So Troy's gonna take his first. Uh, I'm gonna crunch this up so you know I'm eating it. Here we go. 
Mmm. That's that cracker is a little bit stale. Every week, every week you talk about the stale crackers. Yeah. <laughs> Take your beans, get, some, get some fresh crackers next week, mate. <laughs> mm, that's kicking in nicely. How's that? So you had the spicy boys. Yeah, the boy. spicy boys. Yeah, boys. So I think it's their, their mid range. Um, so I think the one did I sit, did you get one in the mail from me? Did I send one up? Did you get one a oh, week? Back? Yes, you did. Because that's yeah. even hotter. That's even hotter. This one here is like a good, a good spice level. But we'll crank up with the other one. So. Um, All right. Well, we better get into it then, so that we uh, can get you on some hot stuff like me. So Troy Bilbra, finally. Finally, we're at your 10 burning questions. Let's get it on. What's your favorite type of barbecue to cook on and why? We'll go the, the Weber kettle. Um, you can cook anything on it from steak to brisket to ribs. Yeah, just classic and just so good. Oh, I'm suffering. I'm sorry, yeah. suffering. My tongue is getting quite... Uh, ah, I'll, I'll, I'll crack into the next, a little bit. next hot sauce. I'll okay. crack into the old Oh, now it's got a dripper. You know, let's get a good good shot down that gut. I mean, this man is literally drinking hot sauce from the bottom, people. That's pretty nasty. Are you away now? Whoa, yeah, that's that's a good, that's a good <laughs> sort of um. Whoa, it's um, it's like drinking lava. This that one, yeah, that, that's uh, this one's uh, seriously hot. What is it? Yeah, it's got no no um ingredients, but it's it's pretty much like lava yeah. in a bottle. That one. Whoa. The look, the look on Troy's face there was uh, very good. Right, what is, um, what's your favourite competition category to cook? I'd say brisket. Uh, it's just yeah, classic, and yeah, just love a good old. It's the biggest challenge, really. It's just every brisket is a battle. Yeah, oh. I'm totally with you as well. Oh God, Jesus! Oh. I think we're both in pain, right? You are oh. uh, starting to be. There's a little bit of flex for Troy. I'm, I am just getting killed here right now. Okay. Ooh. Not coming back on this show for the third attempt at ten burning questions, but what's your biggest fail to date? Oh, it had to be some uh, yeah catering. We've had some nightmares there. Like the other week, we were driving our food truck over to the west coast to cater, and the axle snapped halfway. Then we had to chuck all the stuff into uh, another truck and flag cars down. Hitchhikers were helping us drag the um, <laughs> caravan off off the road onto the side, and then we went and catered this wedding off like a a barbecue we borrowed from the guy next door to the wedding and then then we went back middle of the night to fix their food trailer and someone had broken and robbed us taken everything from there taking oh. like the sold that i was pay, pay the mechanic and all that a grand to engineer to weld a new axle back on get back to christchurch but yeah so it's, it's all good we've had a few of those like when you're catering you just have those nightmares like the, the first ever catering gig i did we set up all that all our um we were using crock pots to do lamb and pork overnight, and the guy who had the venue, he forgot there was a function on. He, he cut the power to all the whole venue, and all the lamb and pork was just like rubbish. When I got there, I wasn't even cooked, so I had to go in middle of nowhere, got a force grand, just buy two grand worth of meat and cook that within like an hour for 100 people. So we've, we've done some crazy things, and just like constant oh, failure good. constant failure in my life. Uh, but when you're catering, you're going to have those fails, right? You're going to have those oh, moments. Yeah. You have that. Okay, Troy, yeah. Troy is going in. Oh, he's thinking about it. Maybe give it another question. We'll, we'll oh no, I can. Why not? We'll, we're here. We're not here to um, mess around. So we'll go to the um, Elves Laboratory from Geraldine. He's Great guy as well. Great actually, guy. now shotting peri peri hot sauce. Whoa. 
You can get that from Barbecue Boy. Yeah, he stocks the old Owls Lab. So, oh, speak to old Ken. Ken from Barbecue Boy, who'll look after you for your hot sauces. He's a real professional, Troy. He's getting getting all the plugs in as well. Lucky we love Ken. Well, it's a great um, guy. A great guy. Now, this is a, a new question I've thrown in here, but it, it's topical, and I think it's a good one. What's your biggest tip for looking after your mental health? That's a good question. Um, I think yeah, sometimes you just got to um, do some things for yourself. So what I've been um, doing lately is um, Matt and I are going down to the go-kart track. It's completely random. Like we don't even, we're not like good racers or anything. We just go down to the go-kart track, blast around the track for 10, 15 minutes and just clears your mind and you can just go down and hang out, do something different. It doesn't have to be go-karting, you know, go play some golf, go uh, play some cricket, go for a walk with a mate. Just, just get that man time and, and hang out and clear your mind because there's there's more important things in life than you know like working and all, all that drama. Sometimes you just need to go and clear your head and hang out. So yeah, for me, um, awesome. go, yeah, go cutting. I love I love that you're doing it with a mate as well. So you're getting that connection too, which is so important. So important. yeah, yeah. Everyone needs um, you know you know good friendship and hanging out, and it's uh, you don't know what other people are going through. So sometimes just being being there for them and listening to them is uh, is helps you out as well. Now. You are in the food industry, so people within the food industry normally have uh, some interesting answers to this question. What is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? I'll, I'll take a shot. Shotting right. hot sauce. Yeah. My tongue is swelling up. You hear I can't even pronounce hot sauce. I think I said hot sauce. Right. So I'll, I'll do a triple first one. Oh, so he's, um, a, he's a machine. He's taking a shot, cool. three shots he's just taken. All right, so we're um, back in back in my younger days. I used to um, skateboard around the world raising money for charity. So I skateboarded ten thousand k's, raising ten thousand dollars. We skateboarded across seven countries. So we we're just skateboarding on longboards. So it's one mission. I was going through Peru and Chile. And we're skateboarding with two other mates um, through the world's driest desert, which is the Atacama Desert. So it's like it's like Mars. It hasn't rained there in about a hundred years. And we planned our route and we, we ended up making our stuff up and the towns we were meant to collect our supplies from, our food and water, um, they just disappeared. They weren't there anymore. So we um, we were about three days in, about 300 k's into this trip and we had run out of um, food and water and we were just like starving. I was like hallucinating. We were like, I was seeing my friends and stuff from back in New Zealand. I was just completely cooked. And... Um, I was I was deciding to either, I think my t-shirt or my shoes. We were that hungry, <laughs> and I, I was thinking of my, my mates, and we were just like, we've got to we've got to start keep moving because we're going to die here. So we ended up skateboarding through the night, and the next day at lunchtime we rock up to the small town, and we thought we were hallucinating, but we we rock up and there's real Chileans there, and they're talking to us, and we were you know, so hungry, and like all we could think of was like like bacon, burgers, fried chicken. So I was just like is there any fried chicken here? And it was this tiny little town in the middle of nowhere. Of course they did it. But like, oh, yeah, yeah, KFC, come down here. We go into this lady's house. Her name's Matilda. Lovely as lady. There's like, you go into this house and it's kind of like a farm. There's like goats and and like um, guinea pigs and llamas running around. And then she starts cooking up all this all this uh, chicken for us and we're smashing back this chicken. And one by one, all the guinea pigs around us start disappearing. And by the end of the end of the night, there's only like, there's the llamas and there's the, the cows and no, no, no guinea pigs. And we were looking around. We're like, we didn't see any chickens disappear. What is this KFC? And she's like, oh, yeah, it's Kentucky Fried Caballo or something like that. I can't can't speak Spanish, but she's like, I think Caballo is um, is guinea pig. And we were 
he just smashed his guinea pigs, which is a, a local, it's a local delicacy, it's a local in, delicacy um, yeah. in Chile. And it tasted like, it was just like a really, it's kind of like a chicken, turkey, poultry sort of taste. And it was just awesome. So we did, we smashed a whole village worth of guinea pigs one night and it was, it was mean. Yeah. Like, um, I think you could do it and you could get it. I don't know if you can get away with it in New Zealand, but um, yeah, guinea pig is, is the new, new chicken. I love how the guinea pigs were there and you didn't notice their numbers depleting and they were probably going, oh, shit. <laughs> it's another, yeah, she's yeah. just taken Bobby. <laughs> Bobby! Yeah, and these guinea pigs were like, they're kind of like animals, but also as like pets as well. Like the kids were playing with them and stuff and we were just eating, you know, their pets. So it was, uh, it was a, sad, a sad day for um, the world that night. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That goes into the top five, Troy. That's into the top five. Hey, this man is a machine, people. He is just shotting hot sauce literally for every question. Okay, we better keep going then. Ooh. Best barbecue that's not yours that you've ever had? Ooh, I have to say, uh, yeah, the Jack Daniels bit that was cooking on that at QMU, first barbecue comp, was was pretty pretty dreamy. Yeah, just real consistent. I actually cooked everything on like chicken pork brisket um yeah reverse of the steak it was a just an awesome bit so uh yeah the I mean, object uh, what what what's the best barbecue that you've eaten that's not yours oh so oh sorry sorry <laughs> the hot sauce getting in my head um yeah i have to say in argentina so another trip i was in um oh yeah yeah argentina um you just go to these steakhouses or just go where the locals go and you're eating massive picanhas and big they call it like lomo big rumps and it's just real simple in argentina high quality meat just salt on on top of the coals yeah i'll go back to argentina any day oh that that does sound awesome to be honest um so look you might be back there in a minute what's been the best moment in your barbecue journey oh i think you'd have to be um yeah, it'd be, you know, just the classic early barbecues with your mates when you when you cook your first brisket and like if you look back now, it's pretty terrible. You, you invite your mates over and you do this brisket and you'd be like, oh, I've, I've cooked it since three in the morning at two two five and I wrapped it at one six five and I let it rest for four hours with a tea towel and I listened to this guy called Noel on the Facebook page and you follow these instructions and just those classic barbecues. Um, and that's cool when your mates who had know nothing about barbecue they come over and they're like, well, this is this is awesome. Um, so it's, it's, it's been cool, just those family barbecues. Yeah, you're always the hero at those, aren't you? doesn't matter if, it, if it's uh, the worst thing you've ever cooked in your eyes. You're always the hero when you put it on the table. Yeah, sometimes it takes a bit longer. Right? So you just, you just chuck on, like, you know, you chuck on the sausages or the chicken wings to, to get some food on the table if the brisket's still going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, or the pizza from, yeah. the, uh, pizza from the shop. Okay, um, low and slow or hot and fast? Well, I'm going more towards the, the hot and fast. I'm probably moving up towards the 300. So I find you start off 225 and then you kind of work your way up as you learn to control the barbecue. So I was thinking about 300 if that's that's kind of on the borderline, I think. Yep. That's in the hot and fast. That's just in the hot and fast camp. That's what we've moved to as well. So uh, more sleep that way at competitions. Yeah. Um, that's what I think. Um, okay. If you could sit down for a plate of barbecue and talk with anyone in barbecue, who would that be? It's a good question. I'll, I'll probably get uh, have to get Rodney Rodney Scott. He's a legend. Um, oh yeah, Aaron, Aaron Franklin. Probably get Harry Sue there, and I'll probably ask for a, a table of legends. I've yeah. got a big table. I'll probably get Stacey Hart from the old um, NZBA page to cook. Have you seen the stuff that he's cooking on the page? 
every yeah, day he just puts his meals and I'm just like man this is this guy's a legend so I get steaks uh, says he hard to cook and we just get on the beers and um eat whole, whole hog probably yeah I think that would be a pretty epic night. Um, I think Stacey might be a little intimidated cooking whole hog for Rodney Scott. Uh, That'd be the biggest test day, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm sure he'd do a great job. Um, yeah, okay, no. we're almost there, Troy. We're almost there. You, uh, Should we do one, 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 more, one more shot? You, you do, you do, Have you got do some one more shot of your choice. I only brought one stale cracker out, so there we go. Oh, you, you do your rigged, shot and I'll give you the last man. question. I do this every week. <laughs> There you go. Last shot down. Here we go. If you were starting your barbecue journey again, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently? Well, I think just yeah, take it easy. Um, don't worry about the temperatures too much. Back at the start, I'd have the Weber set up at a snake 225, and if it went to 230, I'd freak out. To 220, I'd freak out. But just kind of chuck, chuck the meat in there, get good smoke. Um, just make sure the smoke's running clear or blue. Uh, get them, if it does, if it goes up to 250, it's all good. Goes down 200, it's going to be all good. Just, um, just kind of relax more on the cook. Get it in there, you know, good meat, good smoke, good seasonings. Um, give it a good rest, and you've got good product. That's golden advice there, Troy. Well, look at that. Finally, on our third time of try, we've managed it. You did a, an amazing effort. You can um, take a swig of that beer now. I think you've deserved it. You're probably the. Oh, cheers. I've not. We've not had anybody do as much hot sauce as you during a thing but you've done it like a champ taking it like a champ there mate so um look before you go because we talked about all your ventures and everything like that um and i believe beers is about to open now which is very exciting but where can people follow the businesses where can they get to know about what you're up to down there and where can i get hold of you online yeah, so uh, we're actually doing a pledge me like a crowdfunding, um, which which probably will be still live when this episode airs. When is this, this going to air? Do you know the date? Asking oh, it's going to sweet. Um, It'll be today. So, so yeah, you'll you'll yeah. still be live. Nice. The old crowdfunding ends in a couple of weeks. So we're doing. Uh, if you search on uh, pledge me, if you search beers, you can pre-buy vouchers for our new um, ventures. That's a, a project we're doing at the moment. So um, beers and barbecue in Christchurch. Um, so otherwise, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Bacon Bros, Shucker Bros, or Beers by Bacon Bros. Um, otherwise, come say hi down at the uh, Burger Bar in Christchurch or at the, the new Venture Beers. So, yeah, cheers. And I really, really do um, advise for all of you uh, to make sure you do that. Like, get down and see Troy, Best Burgers in Christchurch and um, go check out the new microbrewery. So, Troy, thanks so much for making the time to, to come back and take take the challenge on again, and we look forward to seeing you um, on the competition circuit um, at, uh, the next time you come up and see us. So thanks very much for joining us tonight. Yeah, cheers. I'll be, I'll be taking a break from the comp scene for probably uh, about a year or so when I so I can get the restaurant up and running, but I'll, I'll be back at it maybe QMU next year or something. So smoke on the awesome. coast. So. Well, we're- we're going to look out for that. Now, um, for everybody else, once again, thanks for um, joining us tonight. And uh, if you want to follow us, it's Barbecue Base. Uh, I think it's Barbecue Base News NZ on Facebook. Please come give the page a like. Um, follow us to make sure you never miss an episode. Uh, if you want to follow Noel, who obviously has taken this show off because he's just so lazy. He's actually at work, but you know, so we won't hold it too much against him. But if you want to follow Noel, it's Meat Mafia Collective on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. If you get really bored, 
and want to follow me, it's Burnt Beginnings on Facebook and Instagram, or Burnt Beginnings Barbecue on Facebook and Instagram. Please don't forget, subscribe. Give us a rating. We love a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get up the, those charts. Uh, like us on Spotify. Like us on Facebook. Give us a review. Really want to keep seeing you here, and that's the best way to keep coming back to see us on Barbecue Base. Oh, those are going to run through you tomorrow, mate. Uh, yeah, it's going to be punishing. It's going to be punishing, punishing tomorrow. So, uh, not looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs>